Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. I'm Jeremy Kubachuk, and as always, I'm here with Steve Cockrum. What's happening? It's Friday in London, and it's raining again. Oh, but good. <laughs> it, it really has been. Apparently, the wettest March on record, and you know how much the Brits love their weather statistics, shows, but it really has been. We had the driest February in the wettest March, so hopefully April's going to be good. Is the, the amount of whining directly related to the amount of rain it's a very good question i'm sure somebody could get a phd out of that somewhere um i don't know i think i think pretty much weather is a constant theme here in the uk it's kind of it's never as bad as people say it is apart from this march where it really has been as bad as we all feared so usually there's certain parts of England where it rains a lot but where we are just west of london we're not supposed to get that much rain so you know a whole day is unusual I think we should create some a whining meter and <laughs> by country, by company, yeah. or yeah. by family. And yeah. like, actually, it's like a, a little device that sits inside <laughs> your living room. And if well, the whining meter goes too high, yeah, then you basically like the alarms go off. I like, think the I think the Americans with the weather, you need a hype meter. So basically, there's no such thing as a storm anymore. It's like a killer storm where it's, it's oh. got a name and it's kind of all the storm chases. It's like America tends to do. We started naming storms now, thanks to you lot, you know, or we've got the beast from the east. Nothing yeah. is just like a, a chill from the Arctic anymore. It's the, the <laughs> northern northern nightmare or whatever it's called. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But, you know, it goes in cycles. We were having this conversation last night about um, – rain and yeah and people don't track so mm. like my dad tracks the weather every day he has a, mm. a little journal and he on our farm he tracks what happened and he's got like 50 years of that and it, so he tracks cycles wow. and so it's almost like a farmer's almanac to go and he's like hey we're almost at the end of the drought cycle this is uh, <laughs> we've had three years of drought and it's mm. almost finished, and it usually runs in three-year increments. So I think whining and drought cycles, that's really interesting. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Apart from um, that in Britain, what, what's going on? Um, oh, just just a general sense of malaise, I think, really. I think, I, I think everyone's still on strike, and no one's really noticed anymore. People have just got used to the fact that everyone's wanting more money, and I think the government are waiting for headline inflation to come down, hoping that that will help, but um the kind of the, the the joys of the economic future continue to be kicked down the road and the hope that we'll get past another election before anyone has to make any difficult decisions but you know i'm i love my country and i love its history and uh, I, I believe we're incredibly entrepreneurial and creative but only when we have to be and at the moment i don't think people realize how much we're going to need another burst of that but i think it'll be another seven years before we're really ready for it so mm -hmm. obviously for me that's a pretty important seven years of my life so i'm trying right. to be optimistic i'm optimistic about lots of things but not about the protector culture that we've managed to 
embed, I think, pretty significantly into the way that our our whole country functions. So there we go. That's is that a whining or is that a high? No, that's not whining. That's actually not whining. That's that's actually great conversation. Um, I yeah. Think for for America right now, this is you know my opinion and view is that I think we are in a really strange in between too. You mm. know, with random, I mean, crazy political uh, indictment you know, with the president mm -hmm. Trump to um, just being in this place of like people wondering, are we in a recession or is it moving mm -hmm. uh, the banking system? Mm -hmm. And the, is it how, you know, how strong are we or not? And mm -hmm. are we, no one wants a recession, but you kind of feel like we're either been in it for a while, mm -hmm. but it just, I don't know, Steve, it feels so, you know, if I think for us, it's like heads down and do what mm. we do. And yeah. we keep growing and we keep, <laughs> seeing, you know, leaders around the well, world and we keep doing our bit. Uh, but in the midst of all that, I think there's just a lot of uncertainty still in the, in the yeah. water. No, I think that's very, very wise. I think, I think, I think the pandemic had a bigger impact than perhaps we realize. And I think people are still finding their feet the other side of it what does the new world look like as giant i've never been more confident in what we're doing or in some senses people people know they need to do what we offer but it's it still feels you know i guess i feel more responsible obviously for the whole of my country because that's the nature of who we are and how we do these things but right. i think it's going to be very interesting to see how things pan out and we've obviously got an election coming up here in like about 18 months but there's I don't see any way they're going to turn it around in that period of time. So we'll see. Anyway. Well, so uh, the topic today, one of the topics before we get to our guests, I want to talk to you about, and this maybe actually fits perfectly into what we just talked about, which is vision mm. and really thinking through what vision is. And um, I've been working with a number of players, uh, like NFL type players and um, other executives that um, – I've had to remind them to dust off their vision and they're, they, they basically have been whining to me <laughs> and I basically said, you've got a vision problem. Mm. And we went through and kind of talked about like, what does it mean? And in both cases, two cases, there was encroaching vision, meaning other people had vision for them that was higher than their own vision for themselves. Yeah. And it was fascinating. I was like, okay, You've got this major dissatisfaction and frustration and, again, whining. But do you understand that because you don't have a vision, then their opinions, these other people in your life, are dictating mm. you. And you hate it, but you haven't done enough <laughs> work to yeah. dust off your own vision, to have a vision for yourself. And yeah. in one case, I was a young, young man, and I basically had to give him a, a timeline. I said, I'm going to give you until the 1st of May. And then we're, I want you to have a full vision for the rest of your life, <laughs> or at least for the next 10 years. Yeah. And it was fascinating because he, he said, I've never, ever thought of vision before. I've never mm. even thought of that. Mm. And, you know, and he's also a nurturer. And so it's harder for him maybe to see the future in this mm. case. But um, talk to mm. me about that, Steve. What do you think? What's your, what's your feedback on him? Vision. Well, yeah. I mean, I think without vision, the people perish is, and I think that's more important uh, than people realize. So perhaps what I've talked about malaise and people being unsure, I don't think there is a vision 
for what we want the future of our country to look like. We know what we're against at the moment, but there's nobody really with a 20, 30 year vision of actually saying this is what we want our economy to be, our public services, this is the type of environment. And I think that is probably leadership, whatever else it is, is the primary responsibility for leadership is really setting direction and casting vision. It's interesting you said that because I've done, I've done in the last month, I reckon I've done four executive team retreats where we've been working on, I think the shortest horizon was 2027, but the other three we're doing vision 2030. And what I what I'd do with them is trying to get them to go, let's assume we're now in 2030 sitting down and I want you to describe for me what it, your company organization should, looks like right now. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What's it doing? Make it as sensory as possible because in a sense, that's the way that you begin to make that future. And it's interesting how for a lot of them, they've never ever point. But it's far enough away that you actually really begin to get them to dream outside what they think is possible in their to-do list. Because I just think people follow a compelling vision as long as it's being led by a trusted leader. I think you need both of those. I've seen leaders with amazing visions, but people don't really trust their competence or, or integrity. And I've seen really, really gifted leaders, but with a very, very limited vision. So I wonder whether they go together as well, kind of the rail. Well, so it's, I think it's interesting. I'm like, yeah, but you, you just spoke of a country vision mm. and then you spoke of a company vision, mm. but then there's the personal vision. Absolutely. How that has to align. So I can be sitting in a executive team meeting going, yeah, I don't really believe in this, but I need the salary. <laughs> and so I'll, sure. Yeah, this is great. I'm not going to be here. Yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> Dude, but, but still, it's needed, yeah. especially, yeah. For, especially for those at the top who are really, really engaged. And yes. you want that to trickle down. And it does need to be compelling. I think, I guess I'm going to, to personal vision. Yes. What is your personal vision for your life and how controllable is it and how uncontrollable? Like what are the controllables? And then how do you how do you actually lay it out in such a way that it is compelling you because mm. this is what I really, really want. Therefore, mm. I'm gonna really, really do this. And I think over time, cares of the world, I think just mm. the duties and obligations and then we're like mm -hmm. well we're just married and i guess we'll just let our our, our vision is for our kids to go to college or university mm -hmm. or to you know what i mean yeah. but like dusting off vision is yep. really really important it does affect companies it does affect countries yeah yeah no no i think that's very wise i mean if you think over the years the number of I guess the life intensive was part of that process of really helping people go to the end and work back and say, what, what do I want my life to count for? Now, that may be slightly more pioneering entrepreneurial in the way that you and I do it, but we did the exercise, didn't we, in Atlanta with the partners from Giant, said, five years from now, what, what are the things that actually you would love to see happen? So sometimes the end of life is, well, is a bit far off for people, but I think, I do think it's helpful, massively helpful for every individual to ask, what am I going for? You know, what is whatever the horizon that is meaningful for you i found the five-year one really helpful you know we, we did it and i go i've got nine hallmarks of five years from now and i'm actually starting to make decisions based against those filters um so i think the other thing is vision always allows you to ask of all the things i get invited to do or opportunities that get put before me 
if I don't have anything by which I can apply a filter, I'm tempted to say yes to good, when actually I often have to be able to be able to say, do you know, that's really good, but it's not gonna, it's not fully aligned with what I want five years from now to look like. So that's, I think that's the other point. It gives people a reference point and you can orient around it. I just did a, yesterday I presented in my YPO group um, to my forum and I, I basically gave a 20 to 50 year vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's 20 year vision for sure for the, and I, I just laid it out and going, this is what I think my portfolio looks like. This is what mm-hmm. I, the structure that I need to be able to do what my vision is. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably also where this is all coming from to go. So if you're listening, the idea is dust off your vision. What is it you really want? Use the, what Steve said, the five year mark in the next mm-hmm. five years. What does vision really look like for you? What does it look like for your marriage? If you're married, what does it look like for your family or your team or what, what have you, but doing the work versus letting someone else encroach on your vision. Because what I found is if you don't have a vision, the characters with stronger vision usually win. Mm. They usually take over in a, in a marriage or in a company or what have you. It's like, well, your vision isn't strong. (laughs) So therefore we're going this direction. So um, I think it'd be a good exercise for any of you who are listening. Good. Awesome. We have a special guest today, as always. We Ooh. always have a special guest, Jeremy, but this one's particularly special. Yes, particularly. Hello, yes. Doctor Dr. Jessica Rimmer. Hello. How are yes. you doing? So good to see both of you. That was really helpful to listen to you guys. I'm like, I'm already in the middle of this conversation because I've been writing notes to myself. So. I'm excited to think through what you're talking about. Uh, okay, let's, let's play a game. On a scale from one to 10, how strong is your personal vision? So I, to, to yourself. yeah, so I think about it a little bit along the lines of like, what do I want people to say about me when I'm like at my funeral? So, like, mm-hmm. who do I want, who do I want to mm-hmm. be in each of the roles that I play? And so from that, from that perspective, my vision is a 10. But when it comes to um, a little bit more how you guys were describing it, you know, what it, what does it look like, feel like, sound like, kind of that more sensory nature of describing it, it's probably like a five. You know, so uh, I think I've got some bridging work to do there just to think through uh, more particulars. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, so I, I really appreciated listening to that because it was super, super helpful. I can't wait to be at your funeral. Uh, yeah. No, I probably need to die early. So, you know, put it on your calendar. I changed mine, Jessica, because I went, I said, um, if I'm 83 or whatever, I pick a number, it changes. And I've got three months left to live. My thing was, how many people have I been significant enough as an agent of liberation in their life as a 100x leader that not they would send me an email or a text, Jeremy? but would actually get on an airplane, drive, get a boat to come and say goodbye and to thank me. So for me, I almost go, the funeral, I'll be looking down and having a smile and laughing and going, yeah, well, that's nice. But for me, it was the difference you make when you invest significantly in a life is different for how many people did I influence from a stage. So think about that, Jessica. We'll come and visit you with three months to go. But to be honest, if I'm still alive and Jeremy's still alive, then you haven't lived as long as you ought to have. So that's probably redundant. But you know the, the heart that lies behind it. I'd love I to do. be there. 
I'll send it in advance. Thank you. I did hear a little, a little joke. A, a friend was saying, hey, to another friend, hey, when I die, please take my phone and group text everyone in the audience and thank them. So, thank you so much for coming. I'm so grateful that you're here. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I will. Okay, well, so <laughs> here we go. We're going to jump in. Uh, questions for Jessica. Uh, Jessica is, for those who don't know, um, Dr. Jessica Rimmer. She is a partner in Giant. I'll let her tell her story of how she got here, but she's a good friend. She's an amazing uh, leader, and she's so gifted at uh, helping people uh, come alive and helping organizations grow. And so, Jessica, tell the people listening what we think there's six million or close yeah. to six million uh tell the people about your journey of liberation yeah you both were very significant to me and are i say we're like we're at the funeral but you are uh, my, <laughs> my journey of liberation has been it really started with both of you you know in 2015 i was on maternity leave and i got an email from my boss and he was like hey do you think you could maybe come up here while you're on maternity leave and do a leader intensive. Can you, can you do that? And I was like, well, as long as there are pumping breaks, yes. Like, I mean, I really like working. I'm overly intense by nature. And so I'm like, for sure, let's do that. And Mark Herringshaw and, uh, oh, um, you know, you know, Jeremy. Dan, Dan. No, Dan Huckins. no, it wasn't Dan Huckins. It was Mark and um, Sandy Patty's husband, who's going to get off for saying it. Oh, Don we did a leader intensive. Isn't that awesome? Oh, I mean, I can, it's like a movie reel in my mind. That day was the very first taste I'd ever had of giant. And I was like, what is this? What are you guys doing? And so, um, I was immediately hooked on the life giving nature of what was happening, kind of the impact of story. I made some major discoveries in my leadership behavior based on just exploring my story so uh, that was kind of day one. And that was, um, I mean, I remember leaning over and I was like, are there women who do what you do? Like, what is this thing that you're doing day one? Now, I had a big gap to fill in terms of where I was, who I was. Um, you know, I really had, I was at the time a vice president of a small, you know, Christian university. I, I was there for 10 years from 2008 to 2018. I was meeting you all about, you know, halfway through that journey. And I had a lot of self-doubt and self-preservation, but listen to this winning combo, also lots of opinions, right? So like I had self-doubt and self-preservation and also way too much to say about stuff. And so when I was going through kind of X-Core, um, these tools were really transformational. So I'll pause. I could tell the whole story in narrative format, but uh, that was kind of my intro to Giant was, my second child, my journey with giant has kind of been marked by which kid am I having, you know? Um, and it has been, I'm so grateful for the time in my life and the time in my leadership where I met you all, because it really, I would fly across the ocean, Steve, like y'all have been oh. transformational for me. That's awesome. It's, it's always good to, to drip things into conversations. So people get to tell you how wonderful you are. I've, I've made that a real art <laughs> over the years. So thanks. Jessica. Notice Jeremy hasn't said he's coming, but apart from that, we're, we're good. I'll, I'll take one out of two. That'd be great. Um, so you alluded to kind of you were working at sort of MacU. Um, you were playing a role 
um, like we would call a catalyst. So you were basically being a giant inside that organization. You were the champion on the inside. You were helping introduce people. Talk to us a bit about, you know, what was it like being a catalyst where you were responsible effectively for for making Giant come alive inside um, the, the university you were working? So kind of the way that we rolled it out, and we were we were early Giant, so kind of the way that y'all are working at this point, or that we are working at this point, was a little bit different then. Um, but there were four of us that were going out to XCOR in Atlanta. So I, I just was the nerdiest one. I mean, we all were enthusiastic about what was happening, but I was I was really interested in how can we get the giant language, the giant tools, the health that giant brings, how can we get this all the way from the top to the bottom? Um, and so we, we basically were looking at what y'all were doing and replicating that X core model inside of the organization. But what we decided was it needs to be ours. Like, yes, we want it to be known that we're using giant, but it needs to be ours. And so Jeremy led our program, which is, you know, amazing. I recognize not everybody has the luxury of living as close to either one of you as I do. Um, but Jeremy was leading our program and I was apprenticing with Jeremy. So I feel like I got the purest form of training and development that anybody can because I was, you know, he led and then we co-led and then I led after he did. So we had kind of a a four four year journey probably of making it our own and of of gaining the influence. The other thing that happened, of course, across the course of time, and I think this is important for anybody who's seeking to be a catalyst in their organization, is I really had to shore up some of those influence gaps that came from that self doubt, self self preservation, confidence thing. Right, like I had to shore that up and be a. Uh, I had to build influence inside of my organization. So it wasn't hard for me to understand the content or to build the model. You know, we built a student leadership program off the tools. We built a faculty staff leadership program. We infused the tools into academic curriculum. So we had a pretty robust model, but IQ alone will not make giant scale inside of organizations. You also, as a catalyst, have to have the influence required. Now, I had positional power because I was a vice president, but I really, I had to go on that journey. We were leading core groups and sitting with people from faculty, staff, and students. So building that influence was every bit as important from a catalyst perspective mm -hmm. as knowing the, knowing the stuff. I think you need to know your stuff, right? I think that that's baseline table stakes, knowing the stuff, having the right structure, but building the influence to really lead that program well, I think is the third and and maybe most important ingredient to the whole whole formula. That's so helpful. It's really good insights. Um, so in in a sense, you, you kind of you, you then move from being a catalyst inside MacU to actually becoming a, a, a fully fledged sort of giant guide, and have gone on to build this you know incredible sort of consulting group that you lead as well and become such a, a star and help inside our world. Talk to talk to the audience a little bit about how you made that decision to move from being an inside catalyst to being a, a, a kind of fully fledged independent coach consultant yourself as a guide and how that's gone, Jessica. So this kind of connects back to what y'all were talking about before I was on. It comes back to vision. So encroaching vision, I was 
and have always been a candidate for encroaching vision. I very much, <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of people in my life who've been really strong leaders, strong influencers. And so if they said you should do, you'd be great at, I'm like, okay. Right. And I would come up underneath other people's vision, which, you know, if I'm working for you, awesome. You love me, right? Because I am going to, I'm going to live out your vision. I'm going to purely implement that. But in 2018, I had four people significant to me. One of them, Jeremy Kubitschek, one of them, Jay Sampson, and, um, you know, my boss and another individual at the time, they asked me this question. This is a vision question. Jessica, what do you want? I don't know if you remember this, Jeremy. What do you want? And I like it sounds really simple, but I couldn't answer the question because of encroaching vision. I couldn't answer what do I want? So I started really reflecting and, you know, kind of reflecting, soul searching, that sort of thing. And I began to notice highlights in my heart and in my life of times when we would say my 70 spark was going off, right? I was, I was seeing that spark of energy coming from 70 and um, standing on stage, speaking, doing training, even if I was training on something that was like really boring, I'm like, this is really fun. And so those sparks began to shine a light on this may be something that you need to do as a full-time deal, but it was extremely scary because I was, <laughs> I was pursuing my PhD. I mean, my, my deal was I am training up to be a higher education professional for my entire life. And I loved it. I mean, my work was meaningful. However, as I started like watching those sparks and trying to follow the light at my path, uh, it became obvious to me that even though it was scary, I needed to jump out of the airplane, even though it felt mm. uncertain and there wasn't a known outcome. I needed to go ahead and, and do this thing. And here's the deal. Um, I could tell what I needed to do. I didn't know why it was only in the doing it, going, following that pathway that I figured out why, um, why my life needed to be reordered like that. And I have found a lot of ability to own my own purpose, a lot of ability to own my own vision, a lot of ability to um, not live under so many inhibitions just by being brave mm -hmm. enough to follow that light on my path. So good. So Jessica, you, because you spend time with so many leaders and organizations, what do you, um, it's, you know, you, you were a client, then a catalyst, then a guide, and now you're working back with clients and catalysts. What are you seeing? Like what's really, what does leadership look like right, right now inside organizations? Like what are you seeing that's working? And so talk about that. I think anybody listening who might just be a business person is probably experiencing some level of tired. You know, I think people are tired from the amount of pressure that we've endured. Um, I think people are tired from the amount of conflict and turmoil there is in the in the world, whether it's Ukraine or political unrest or whatever it might be. And so I think it's an important time for leaders to really focus on being healthy. Now I'm biased, right? I'm biased toward the 100X model, but what I'm seeing is a, in a an urgency around getting healthy and staying healthy because I think it's a real challenge under that pressure for leaders to think for themselves 
And I think that that's really important for leaders to be able to own their point of view, to not give in to pressure, to make a statement or respond to things, but to really be proactive in leadership. So, I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing as you are, Jeremy, like the importance of helping people focus as the chaos swirls. How do we focus on what really matters? How do we live out um, our leadership worlds from a sense of peace? You know, if we think peace index. Um, so I, I see this moment in time as a prime time for us to implement the the giant tools and implement the 100x model inside of companies because people don't have any reserves left. They don't have it. So if you're going to be able to function and not, you know, not have the weight of business and the weight of world pressure crush you, you're going to have to really work to get healthy. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's kind of what I'm seeing in my work right now. So good. Jessica, we just so appreciate you. It's, it's yeah. so nice for me uh, because we live in the same city. I trust you implicitly. I can put you in anywhere and people experience. In fact, they want you more than me, which is really kind of another issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Therapy with him right over now. that, Jessica, by the way. Oh, really? And then she's not that great. I'm joking. You're a true 100x leader, Jeremy, but when they want the other person you've raised up more than you, it's always a good test of your... It is. I just see it as a... You just, you've done such an amazing job. I just claim the credit for it whichever way I can't really No, lose. But honestly, it is so honoring to have yeah. you um, go all the way through, and now you're doing this for people. And watch you apprentice people, Jessica. It's like the full cycle. And you think there's children and grandchildren and great grandchildren that you actually apprentice. And and uh, it's really a, an honor. So thanks for being with us today. We sure appreciate you, Jessica. Yeah. Thanks, sis. Awesome. Okay. So it's neat. It's almost like our vision of 100x leadership, Jeremy, is like that. I sounds. I always. I always look forward to the podcast. I hope the millions of people who listen don't feel it's too self indulgent. But it's almost like going. What are we most proud of as leaders? It's usually the multiplication of what it is we've learned. It isn't how brilliant are we. Obviously, it's nice when we stand on stages and people say we're awesome. But it's it's the ability. I think in maturity to go. How are we multiplying that which we've been given? And you've done a phenomenal job with the team in Oklahoma, and Jessica's like the, the epicenter of that. So kudos to you, and well done, 100x squared even now. Yeah. Well, it is, it is, it's fun, again, watching her. And, you know, they're going through the same issues that we had mm -hmm. years ago. And so yeah. to counsel her <laughs> on her building up an agency and people and teams, and this isn't scaling, and this isn't working, and this isn't... But to, you know, to be able to speak with authority to go, yep, we've tried that. You can just keep watch where we're, where we <laughs> went and what we're doing. Yes. Um, so it's really good. So for those of you listening, the idea is um, two things for me is like, what's your vision? What is it you want? And then understanding uh, you have an opportunity to apprentice people. Well, if you have an, if you have an established vision, it's easier to apprentice people. Uh, because that vision is compelling and people see it and they want it and they want to be a part of it. It sure helps uh, for sure. So any last thoughts, Steve, as we wrap up? Um, do you know, I, the one thing I want to do is I want, I actually want to celebrate something, Jeremy, which I know will come as a surprise to you, but for the first time I, I had breakfast this morning with two, you know, fantastic friends of giant who were over from the States and, uh, 
Maria asked you, said, so what does Giant do? And in years gone by, I think we all agreed we would we would come up with at least 20 different answers between us. But in a sense, the the, the work that says, uh, I, I just said, we've built the leader's toolkit for the digital world. And that was it. I just left it. And she said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, we've actually created tools that leaders can use in the busyness and the chaos and the fatigue that Jessica alluded to in the real world. And we've given them practical, helpful tools that help them lead more effectively themselves, their families, their teams, their organization, their community. So I, I know you and the team have worked hard at it, but this idea of uh, well, giant, the leader's toolkit, I go, obviously being me, I want to say an awful lot more, but actually being able to say we've built a toolkit for leaders that works and giant, it works is another one of those. So little celebration that 10 years on, we finally have a tagline that I can repeat at the same time. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and- if you want to go see it, friends, go yeah. literally giantworldwide.com. Check it out. See what you think. Give us your feedback yeah. because uh, you can see the messaging. And and I think, again, I think the team hit it. I think they did a really good job for sure. Mine is uh, excitement. Um, I'm actually leaving right this moment to mm-hmm. go to the lake, to a friend's uh, lake house, and write for the weekend on a communication code. So I'm. if you want to, you know, Send over some uh, prayers of inspiration. I know you and I will talk, Steve, but just excited to actually mm-hmm. do it. It's time and the pressure of a deadline. <laughs> is, <laughs> I feel it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get after it. Like I have, I have about 20 sessions I need to have between now yeah. and the end of May, and I hope to get two or three sessions in this weekend. So, anyway, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. Good. Well, I have a real vision for your hard work, Jeremy. So that's really good. <laughs> good. All right, friends. Until next time, we'll see you on the Giant Leadership Podcast. Take care. Bye bye. If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubitschek.com to learn more.